Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Nuggets now. Hour two of the show live from the Auction Community Studios. Suns Nuggets game three. Oh, it's not tonight, Wolf. It's not tomorrow. No. No, it's not till Friday. It's not till Friday. Friday, Friday, Friday. That's okay. You know what? Again, um, I think the Suns need to bathe in this right now just a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. Go ahead and look at your plight and your situation and say, you know what? Um, We're down 0-2 in this series right now to the number one seed in the Western Conference. And they've kicked our butts two different ways. They've kicked our butts. What are you going to do about it? Stew in it. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the break definitely... it, it drives up the stakes if that's even possible for game three because you're getting a break. So maybe, maybe it, it kills off some of the momentum Denver has going right now. Um, but also to your point, it gives the Suns a few days to really build up the importance of this game. And if you go out there and win game three, kind of feels like a new series. If you go out there and lose game three, I mean, you're probably done at that point anyway. Teams don't come back from down 3-0 in, in the NBA playoffs. But uh, especially if you've been building it up for four days and you go out there and lose at home. It's a big game. It's the biggest game of the year, obviously. And there's a lot on the line for the Phoenix Suns because they did make one of the biggest trades we've seen in the NBA in, I don't know, ever this season. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Uh, Jay Williams joined us yesterday, and he had an idea to maybe get the offense going. Okay, you're asking a lot of Devin Booker, and you're asking a lot of Kevin Durant, and they both basically have to be perfect for you to win this series. What if you featured the big guy some more? You know, when DeAndre Ayton is featured, he's pretty damn good when he's featured. Yeah. I think Monty, if, if, if this is CP3 not being out, even if CP3 can't go full steam, it might be time to feature DeAndre Ayton again instead of just letting him be the third or fourth option. Because right now what I'm seeing is DeAndre Ayton being a spectator instead of being somebody who's engaged 24-7 in the offense, which unfortunately is the way he's built. The more you engage him offensively, is the more assertive he'll be defensively. Yes. You know what? I hate that. I do. I believe you told Jay yesterday. I did. I, I told Jay that. Exactly. I hate that because, honestly, oh, I've got to engage you. We, You, you have to be engaged. We we have to make you a point of emphasis for you to go out and do your job. Um, I would disagree. I, I disagree for any player where you've got to do that. That's number one. Do your job. That's what I want from you. You go do your job. This is what you're getting paid handsomely to do, and that is to give your best and try your hardest on everything, no matter if you're getting the ball or not, period. I don't disagree with that. Should not even be something we need to think about. But this this is the dividing line a lot of times between the... We need names for these groups. You have the Aiton enthusiasts that are like, there's nothing DeAndre Aiton can do wrong. It's everybody else's fault. And then you have the other side of the spectrum where it's all DeAndre Aiton's fault no matter what happens to the Suns. And you know I land somewhere in between. I think most Suns fans do land somewhere in between on that. You know I am. But yeah, but but this is the dividing line a lot of times. If you are an Aiton enthusiast and you feel like that they they... 
the team is to blame for not getting more out of him. You look and you say, they don't feature him in the offense enough. They don't run in the offense through DA. It's all run through the other guys. Now, when you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, that's going to be the case. <laughs> it's just the reality of the situation, and it should be in that case. But I hear what you're saying because this is the other side of it. If you're a Suns fan that's frustrated with DeAndre Ayton, it's like, Really, I got to engage you offensively for you to go engage defensively. I have to, I have to do that. But here we are in a game they have to win. So my stance on on Friday is whatever it takes to win the game. Yeah. Okay. Whatever it takes to win the game, right there. I, I, it's still, I, I reject you and myself openly <laughs> That's for fine. that. Okay. I'm just, reject everything if they lose the game. Listen, um, you know I. DeAndre Ayton has got to understand this isn't about DeAndre Ayton. This is about the Phoenix Suns right now. You've got to go out and do your job. I thought in Game 2, think about D.A. in Game 2. I thought he did great. I thought he did fine. Yeah. 7 of 10. 7 of 10. He only had 10 shots. Did you feature him in that game? No, it's no. you didn't feature him. He has games where he plays very well where he's not featured in the offense. And and I don't even think Jay Williams was saying feature him offensively to get him going defensively. I think he was saying you need something else offensively. Why not try featuring DeAndre Ayton? Now that much, uh, I'll, I'll listen. I will. I'll listen to him on that and agree with him on that, I think. But again, D.A., I I think of his intensity level, his effort. How was he playing in Game 2? I thought, great. I thought he did a great job. I thought he picked it up. He called his shot. He said he was going to come out and be different. This team is totally going to be different the next game we play. He said that, and he went out there and he did it himself. He was different. It wasn't like they featured him offensively. Scored 14 points in the game, but he made a difference. I'm for anything right now that takes some of the strain off of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. I don't mean that in the sense like they can't handle it. Obviously, you built your team around. If if Devin Booker or Kevin Durant isn't playing well, this team's not going to win a title. That that was the case coming into this series when when there wasn't a game played yet. But I'm fine for taking some of – right now it feels like Okay, well, how are you going to win? Well, Booker's got to be perfect, and KD's got to be perfect, and everybody else is going to watch them be perfect. Won't yeah. this be fun? Yeah. No, it won't. <laughs> it's going to be over in four games. Chris Paul's not playing. They need another scoring option. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. It'd be so nice, right? Especially because you're talking about KD and you're talking about Book. Wouldn't it be great to have that inside presence with DA as well? And I think this is something we've talked about before, but I think Devin Booker and De- uh, DeAndre Ayton, in terms of the pick and roll, I think that's actually better than Chris Paul and DA. Specifically for DA. I, I, I yeah. do. I, yeah. I think it's actually, I think, for whatever reason, Book seems to actually engage that pick and roll better um, and more effectively, I think, with DA than even CP3. Yeah, you know, it's. I always wonder when they when they do this and they have to go to point book more, they have to go to campaign. Like I said earlier, how much of it is it seems effective or it seems more effective because it, it's it's juxtaposed up against the offense of Chris Paul's out there. And now when it just is this offense, it just is point book or it is campaign running things, how much uh, does it lose some of its effectiveness? We're going to find out, unfortunately. We're going to have to find out, it sounds like, because... I know the Sun said Chris Paul's day to day. Does anybody think Chris Paul's playing on Friday? No, I, I don't. I, mean, I know. And and honestly, if he's you know if he's ninety five percent, yeah, get out there. If Chris Paul's like sixty percent or fifty percent, right. I feel like we saw that against Dallas last year in the playoffs. I'd rather just sit him for a game or two, hopefully, and and 
I don't think it's impossible for the Suns to win a game without Chris Paul. Yeah, no, I, I just want to. I, I know we're we're talking about Chris Paul, but I'm also hyper focused on DeAndre. That's fine because that's what the segment was supposed to be. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, thank you for that, Luke. Thank you. I'm not imagining this. No, but for not. me, once again, um, the only thing I don't like about this conversation is saying that you've got to engage DeAndre Ayton for him to do his job. Oh, I I, I want to barf. Somebody give me the barf bag right now. Well, big that picture. That makes me sick. Big picture, that is the conversation. But on Friday, I think it's just we need what, offense. What I want to do is, yes, if you want to go ahead and feature DeAndre Ayton because it's the smart, schematic thing to do, I got no problem with that. It's fantastic. Makes a lot of sense to me. So go ahead and do it. But if you're doing it to engage him so we will do his job, oh, man. I think you're, you're doing it. In this you're case, you're killing this team if that's what you're doing. Because even in their bad game, or Kevin Durant's bad game, he and Devin Booker still combined for 59 points, and the rest of the team combined for 28. <laughs> you need somebody else to score some points. Uh, all right, score the hottest ticket in town, Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket to 620-620, register and listen for your name today. Well, that's coming up here. During the noon and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for Game 3 and Game 4 tickets to see the Suns take on the Nuggets. Again, that's ticket to 620-620, and make sure you listen during the 12 o'clock hour and 5 o'clock hours today. We come back. What excites Jonathan Gannon the most about his new draft class? The Cardinals head coach spoke to the media yesterday, and you'll hear what he had to say about it. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I tell you, we're going to get into this later on in the show. We're looking up on one of these TVs in here, Wolf, and it's Anthony Davis and LeBron at their press conference, and LeBron's looking at his watch and yawning, and Anthony Davis looks like he's starting a band. <laughs> and they just beat the Warriors. But I like yeah. the Lakers are good again. That's all right. I used to walk around like I was Axl Rose back when I was playing. <laughs> had the headband on, right? The, the the sunglasses. Walking around had the rat tail in the back. Oh, the glories of youth! You got to you got to bring back the headband and maybe the rat tail. What would the warrior queen say if you brought back the the rat tail? Yeah, the rat tail. I I think that'd be a big no. <laughs> I, I'm just guessing. I think that'd be a no. But maybe the seriously, what's wrong with the blue bandana? I don't know. That's, that, I should bring that back. Bring it back. It's not like it's permanent. If it's like I don't like Walking this, you can take it off. It, yeah, you got a man. That was some swag back then, man. But we, when you do it, you got to do it like this. You got to put it on. You just got to walk through the newsroom. <laughs> just do a lap. Don't even acknowledge that it's on, and just and just kind of look at people like, oh, what yeah. are you going to do? About no, it? yeah, exactly. You can't do it. You can't acknowledge. You can't walk around like you're doing it. No, big grin on your face. Knock it off. No, you can't. Hey, look at my head. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, let's get back to football. here. Okay, good. Um, Jonathan Gannon. We had him on yesterday. He had his first media availability since the Cardinals completed that. Uh, draft, and he talked about the draft experience. Reminding his staff a lot of work that went into that. Um, feel really good about how he came out of the draft with the nine draft picks and the ten free agents. Um, that was my first time sitting in a room uh, the entire time, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous uh, when we're on the clock with like two minutes left, and he had three teams that he was talking to, so uh, it was really cool to see that and, you know, the process of him and his staff and uh, 
you know, feel really good about how we came out of the draft, excited about to get the guys in here. We had a lot of um, contact with a lot of the guys that we took throughout the process, whether it be at the Combine or in the top 30 visits and uh, Zoom calls and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, I think the thing that stands out that I'm most pleased with is, is the character of the guys. And that was important to me and Monty, our entire staff, of making sure we get high-character guys in here because we know that high-character guys typically hit their ceiling and help you win games as a team. So, uh, you know, it was just it was neat talking to the, those guys after the weekend and uh, just hear that reiterated, you know, Coach, can't wait to get here and do whatever we can do to help the team win. So uh, excited about those guys, and we'll get them here, I think, on next, a week from Thursday uh, for a mini camp. And uh, we'll go from there. Smart, tough, physical. That's what you want. You want football players that are smart, tough, and physical. And that's what it sounds like they targeted in this draft. Smart, tough, physical football players. Might not be the fastest. Might not be the best athlete. But they're smart, they're tough, and they're physical football players. And I stand and applaud. Well, it's a good point of emphasis to have, and, and and there is some football reasoning behind it, too. It's not a PR move. I mean, you just heard him say right there, those type of players are the ones that tend to hit their ceiling more. Now, I, you got to see it, right? <laughs> this is an inexact science for everybody. It's a great observation, though. But, yeah, and, and even... If you believe, okay, prospect A, you know, his ceiling is 88 out of 100 and prospect B's ceiling is 97 out of 100, but prospect B's not going to hit his ceiling because he doesn't love football or he's a mess, I'd rather take the guy that's just going to lock in there at 88. Now, I should also say they took the guy that's supposed to be the best offensive lineman in the draft. They didn't take Paris Johnson Jr. because he's nice. Right, exactly. Uh, And I'm (laughs) interested. I I like the fact that I like B.J. Ojolari. We'll see. I mean, they're talking, I said this yesterday, but first team All-SEC on defense, you tend to be a pretty good player if you're first team All-SEC. Two-time team captain for LSU as well. Yeah. Talking about SEC, LSU. Two-time team captain. Two-time. Team captain. So that tells you an awful lot about this kid and his football character. I love that observation right there. You got to be kidding. I I never thought about that base and earnings, but it's the truth. They're going to hit their ceilings more times than not. Yeah. You get a guy who's got great football character, they're going to hit the ceiling more times than not. It makes perfect sense. And I never thought about it that way. Uh, the Cardinals, nine picks, they took five defensive players. And, I, and I'm adjusting here because when the draft ended for me, it was like, okay, I'm excited about all the picks they got for next year. I'm guessing Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rollis don't care about the picks for next year right now. They have a team to coach this year, and it's it's for Gannon his first uh, time as obviously an NFL head coach. Nick Rollis now as the defensive coordinator talked about the defensive draft picks Monty Austin Fort made. Every player that we feel that we brought in has high character, right? And we got the opportunity to meet with those guys at the combine, and I mean it was apparent right away just in that brief meeting. You know, you're almost speed dating during those official. Uh, um, interviews, whatever, in the suites, and you finish those interviews, and you're like, whoa. With with Garrett and BJ, you're like, wow. Those guys, you talk about football character, like, what does that mean? Well, they're willing to do whatever it takes to hit their ceiling, and like, just within 20 minutes, the love of the game comes out in those guys, because if you're going to talk that detailed about, hey, this is what we're doing schematically, here's my technique, BJ's like, oh, this is how this tackle set. I knew I wanted to work him like this. You're like, 
that kind of detail, you only get to that level when you put in a lot of time and you do it consistently. And Yes, you know what I love? Once again, he's talking about hitting their ceiling in the football character. This is, this is, I'm having an epiphany, a football epiphany right now because of this. Hitting their ceiling. How many guys? It, the, the, he, they're not saying that their ceiling makes them the best player in the league. They're saying they will hit their ceiling in terms of production more times than not. It might not be somebody else's ceiling. Somebody that's hyper-talented, of course. And, oh, his ceiling is so high. And everyone talks about that. And look what this kid could possibly be if I had a dime for every time a player came into the locker room that was going to change the fortunes of our team. Except he couldn't play. I've talked about this many, many times, but it's the truth. Oh, the ceiling of this kid is incredible. He just can't hit it and never will. Well, if you could perfect that, I mean, I know I'm simplifying this, but this is essentially what they're trying to do, right? Let's just go 1 to 10. You've got a guy, you've got a prospect whose ceiling is a 9, and you've got a prospect whose ceiling is an 8. Yes. And you feel confident that the 8 is going to hit the 8, and the 9 is going to be a 3 one week and a 5, and he's going to be out of the league. Exactly and he's, I mean, right. You'd, you'd rather just have the 8. There <laughs> you, it is. You can plan around that guy. He's a lot more reliable. Yeah, not only that, too. It's the impact of a guy that may not be the most talented, and yet he plays like it. Buddha Baker. Buda Baker is that guy. It's the reason why, once again, Buddha, 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 please. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, some way. It just feels get like that he's everything that this regime values. He's not a big guy. He's not a prototypical safety by any stretch of the imagination. He is not. He doesn't have a ceiling that's a 9 or a 10. He doesn't. He just plays that way. I see. He's he's almost a bad example because if you're like, ah, oh, Buddha, yeah, his ceiling's an 8. He plays like a 10, though. He somehow has gone through his ceiling. Yeah, but that's even better. See, it's, it's an even better example to everybody else. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. He's not the biggest. All he does is... Is knock your face off. He's not the fastest. I know everybody always says that about him. If he's not the fastest, why is he the one making other guys' tackles? Because he's running like a mad person. He's he's fearless. Do you do you know what a beautiful thing that is to be base earnings when you step in between the white lines on a football field and you 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 fear nothing and you'll run? Full speed into somebody else, regardless of how big you are. It's one of the most beautiful, wonderful things you could possibly experience as a football player or a human being, I might add. I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch Red Zone next year if Buda Baker's on another team. And, and, you know, in addition to the fact that the league's charging everybody like $400 for Red Zone. But just in general, even if I have Red Zone next year, I'm not going to be able to watch and be like, oh, here's Buda Baker making a play for the Seahawks or something awful. Run into the darkness, Buda. Run into the darkness. Uh, Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Is it possible to win a title while you're still figuring out who you are? That's what the Suns are kind of trying to do. We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Nuggets now.
times have we heard uh, Devin Booker call the playoffs a roller coaster? Wolf, and obviously he's right. But, I mean, Multiple week, times. A week ago at this time, I think a lot of people felt pretty good about the Suns' chances. They were favored to win the West. They were behind only the Celtics in terms of the betting odds on FanDuel favorites to win the entire thing. They're not out of it yet, but obviously things feel a lot different down 2-0 to Denver. There's uh, a story up on the ringer, and it is long, but I read through it twice, actually. Look, I even highlighted stuff. Oh, beautiful. Look at this dedication. Man, I, you, honestly, you are, that's the one thing I love about you. You will work. <laughs> I guess that's, that's a good thing. Um, the title is The Sons Have Given Themselves Almost No Margin for Error. And I'm distracted because Brandon Fott just gave up a home run. Oh, boy. Uh, he made it through the first inning, Fott. Oh, Texas, um, though. They can rake. Texas, they, they do hit the ball pretty well. The The name of the story on the ringer, the Suns have given themselves almost no margin for error. Um, it, it, it goes deep into the numbers. I'm not going to sit here and read a bunch of numbers on the air. But it essentially hits two different main points for the Suns. The, the idea that, um, that they, they, they don't shoot enough threes. And to the point where it's almost historic in the context of the last 10 years, how many mid-range shots they take as opposed to the threes that everybody else in the league is taking. So you're, you're going a very different path. So you're, you're running a risk with some math there because conventional wisdom in the NBA is just shoot a bunch of threes. Now look at Golden State last night where they shoot 53. Golden State can do it though because they have, they have Steph Curry. They do point out in here the Suns are, uh, it's okay when they shoot mid range because when Chris Paul's out there, they have the first, second, and fourth best mid range shooters of like the last decade on their team. So it makes some sense to take some mid range shots. But the other part of this, they talk about the fact that there's just, there's no margin for error with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant because they're just not getting enough from anybody else. And so they're still trying to figure out who they are. And here we are in the middle of the second round of the playoffs, and I still don't totally know who the Suns are. Do you? Luke, no, I don't, as a matter of fact, right now. But do you think that is a convenient excuse right now to say that? The Suns don't know who they are right now. And that's the reason why they're still trying to figure it out. That's the reason why they're down 2-0 in this series. They don't really know who they are. I, but it looks like they don't know who they are. Um, okay, so why do you say that? Why, what does it look like when their effort level totally is night and day from game one to game two? That, to me, is the most stark difference of what we saw in game one to game two was really their collective effort level. That, that's fair. I, I guess I'm saying more beyond your big four, which is now only three with Chris Paul hurt. Nobody has any idea who's going to get minutes off the bench from game to game. I, I don't think Monty Williams necessarily knows right now. Whereas like Denver and the Suns last year in the playoffs, you know, Denver knows, okay, Jokic is going to rest at this point in this quarter. And then so, so-and-so is going to come in for him. And here's our bench guys, and they have these jobs. And the guys on the bench know, hey, I'm going to play probably about you know, 12, 15 minutes. And I know what my job is. And I sure. do my job for a dozen minutes. I get back out, and Jokic does his. With the Suns, it's like, you might play uh, Friday, or you might not. You might not play at all. Or you might play 15 minutes. Or maybe Shamit plays. Or maybe Damian Lee plays. Or maybe Terrence Ross doesn't play at all in the playoffs. That, that element of it. I don't think it's an excuse because we were all worried this was going to happen, and it's happening. See, for me, if you're going to point to you know the Phoenix Suns and you're going to say, okay, um, do they know who they are right now? When you say that, uh, for me, all that means is KD and Devin Booker. Who's going to take the last shot? And I say that, I say that 
knowing, of course, that uh, it doesn't come down to one shot every game. I understand that, but you get my point. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Who's going to take the shots? Who's going to do this? Who's going to be the guy this game? And that's going to change, I think, game to game for the most part. Maybe there is uncertainty that is there, but... I don't know how long it's going to be before suddenly you're going to look at him. Maybe it's never, where you never know. Is it going to be Book tonight, or is it going to be KD? I I don't think you're ever going to know that until you're in the game. No, and that's fine. And we talked so much about this when they made the move. Okay, good luck. You're going to cover Booker. You're going to cover Durant. What are you going to do, right? But the problem is, and especially now with Chris Paul Hurt, it's flipped the other way, where you could say, yeah, you've got Booker and Durant. Who else is going to score? (laughs) <laughs> we don't have to even worry about the other guys. There's a there's a piece in this story because uh, they, they, they get into the math of it, and then they kind of get cute with it, and they say, how about this math? Five is greater than three. That's the number of capable offensive players on the Nuggets in crunch time compared to the number of the Suns. And they go through game two, and they say when Chris Paul was out, Denver just threw traps and double teams at Durant and Booker and basically just left everybody else alone, and it worked. That's not great. They yeah. got to have somebody else step up. No, I'm I'm with you on that one right there. And the most likely to step up is whom? Well, that's what we're we talking just, about. Yeah, and maybe Jay Williams is right. That DeAndre Ayton <laughs> is the answer. DeAndre Ayton is the guy to actually do that. But you've got to also run some schemes, of course, some pick and rolls. I would say with Devin Booker and Da. And as I was talking about earlier on this, I I honestly think that is a viable option for the Phoenix Suns. I do, especially with Book. Uh, I think he's actually better at it. D.A. and Devin Booker together on the pick and roll than Chris Paul and D.A. That's just me right now. That's just my opinion on it. I think Book is excellent on that pick and roll with D.A. He's got a little chemistry there. It, We've seen it. It does. Because I know people are like, well, Chris Paul is one of the best ever to do that. But I hear what you're saying. In 2023, specifically with DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker does it pretty well. He really does. And that's... I, I think he does it better. They they don't have a choice. He needs to do it better. Because, again, everything now is, is full-blown survival mode. Matt Ishbia was on the Bill Simmons podcast yesterday. So this, you know, some, you never know with a podcast how, how old it is. But it's it's yesterday and it was recorded yesterday. So we're two games into the series. Everything's caught up. He said he's still confident in his team. Hey, you know, we're working hard. I feel good about our team. Uh, we're going home. Obviously, Denver's a great team. And so I, I feel good about our guys. I know Coach Monty Williams and the whole team and is ready to go Friday night. And hopefully we can uh, bounce back and protect home court and win a game or two. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to once again. Um, it's the Phoenix Suns. And, and at some point in time, all of this negativity that is surrounding them. And when you're down 0-2 in a series, Basinonians, there will be some negativity. And now all of a sudden, uh, the bench... As well, is the bench going to play better because they're playing at home? There's a real possibility that's going to happen. What about their backs being put, metaphorically speaking, to the wall because they're down 0-2 in the series? And because, oh look, Chris Paul is day-to-day, but boys, we know Chris Paul's not playing. They may call it day-to-day, but we know He's not, right? I mean, now all of a sudden, they... If you're a player on the team, you almost have to approach it like he's not coming back. You you have to. Yeah. That's exactly right, Luke. That's what you've got to do. You've got to prepare your mind to say, Chris Paul's done. Yeah. It's not coming back. What are you going to do about it? And then if he does, that's great. 
then it's a maybe it's a jolt in game six or something. And it starts with game three. You got hyper focus. You have to do it as a professional athlete. Don't look at the rest of the series. You're down 0 2. Don't look at the rest of the series. You got to take it one game at a time. The next two games, you got to focus on, on that. The next two at home, starting with game three. Got to do it. Uh, when we come back, the Philadelphia fan base, they love a scapegoat. Are they making Jonathan Gannon a scapegoat for why they lost the Super Bowl, really? They seem to be doubling down on this, and we'll react to it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Fans. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Left hand, but this answer begs that question. Too blind to see tomorrow. Too broke to beg or borrow. Young and stupid. Left wide open. Hearts are wasted. Lives are broken. Got a little kick to it right here. Got no problem with that. Young and stupid. <laughs> That's the part I like the most. Well, who do you think this is? You've heard so far. Um, uh, I don't know. Green Day? <laughs> uh, we need, Wolf needs to have a Green Day cover band, and all the songs wouldn't be Green Day songs. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, Scott's walking around. VIP Scott, I call him now. Mm. He said I look like a frat boy, so. <laughs> and how'd that make you feel? Seems very appropriate. That you're listening to your frat boy That's music? exactly you right. You think this is? Okay. Here we go. Oh, by the way, can we just take your keg and roll it out? Is that what? Okay. That's enough out of you. All right. All right. It's, uh, I, we got to get into this. I, I, I get why it's a story. I, I get it. I'm, I'm not saying that the Cardinals did not do something wrong here. I understand that they obviously tampered because they agreed to the the move with the Eagles. I get all that, right? I'm not I'm not saying that they shouldn't have any sort of punishment. They've been punished. They self-reported. They actually got two picks for the price of one, but it was basically like trading down, and Philadelphia got the higher pick because they called Jonathan Gannon when they couldn't. I get it. Everybody's everybody said that, right? Yes, right. In of fact, course. here's Jonathan Gannon when he joined us yesterday. We just asked him flat out, okay, what what happened yeah guys i appreciate the question you know i know monty addressed it but basically similar to what monty said obviously it was a mistake and we own that um you know right after the nfc championship game monty had reached out you know and congratulated us and he's been to a couple super bowls so gave me a little heads up of what that looks like and you know basically just said hey look we're going through a coaching search right now as you know as you know and uh, didn't know the timing that everything was going to take place and basically asked if I was interested if the timing, you know, prolonged after the Super Bowl that if I would be interested to interview. And I said, yeah. And um, so, um, you know, again, I know it was a mistake, but we resolved it and uh, we're moving on. All right. Okay. So what's the issue again? Well, Philadelphia, and I'm not saying the Eagles necessarily, and I'll play the clip from Howie Roseman in a second, but there seems to be this belief among Eagles fans, and I get it. Philly fans are insane. This is not anything new, right? That's just, that's what they are. <laughs> yes. Can I just say this honestly right okay. now, at least back when I was playing? I, I don't know how much it's changed, but back when I was playing right now, the vet was the worst place you could play. I'm sure. In all of the National Football League. I'm sure. And I kid you not. Yeah. Even the black hole, it was nothing nothing close 
to the vet. It's, I took a D battery off the helmet, standing in the tunnel, getting ready to come out my rookie year, 1985. And I had a veteran say, because I had my helmet off as we were coming out of the tunnel, had it off. He said, Rook, put that helmet yeah. on. <laughs> I kid you not. So their reputation preceded the D battery. The D battery went right off the top of my helmet. There it was. I can still see the Ever Ready spinning on the ground after it bonked me in the head. Now, think about that. They're throwing batteries. That's I mean, what they, they were doing. They boo Santa Claus. They cheer injury. The Philly fans are insane. There's a reason why they have a judge on site at the stadium. It's called instant justice. That's what they have literally right there. So they bring the fan down who's highly intoxicated the vast majority of the time. No, really? And they, they rule right there as to what he did. I kid you not. It's instant justice. If you had told me that was a thing in a stadium in a city and you said, guess which city, it would have taken me less than one second to guess Philadelphia. There it is right there. A judge rules on people. They bring them down in front and they rule right there. Okay, so I'm not I'm not saying that the Cardinals didn't do anything wrong, I, I, but I'm... I, the idea that is being held on to by Philadelphia fans that they lost the Super Bowl because Monty Ossenfort called Jonathan Gannon has to go down as one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. First of all, I'm pretty sure Jonathan Gannon interviewed with the Houston Texans like a week earlier. Now, I get it. That was allowed, and this isn't. I'm not saying a rule wasn't broken. Why does that not equate into this? Why? How about, how about we deal in reality with the fact you were facing Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> How about that? Wait a minute. Uh, why would you say that? Why, why would you say something I, this, so logical? This is so similar to Florio's thing last week. Of Well, they're not going to be able to draft now because they went to that statue unveiling. They may as well just cancel the draft for yeah, the Cardinals. Right. What are you doing? Well, obviously, you can look. Look, look, Wolf. The Eagles were doing good against Patrick Mahomes in the first half and then not in the second half. Yes. Now, it's not like Monty Austin Fort called at halftime. Maybe Patrick Mahomes, as he does in every single game, and Andy Reid adjusted in the second half. Maybe that's it. Maybe the three minutes that Jonathan Gannon spent on the phone with Monty Austinfort is not the reason they lost the Super Bowl. Maybe the fact that one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the sport always seems to carve you up just sure. enough as much as he needs to in the second half of a game is the reason you lost. Yeah, they need to know the why, and I, I understand it. You know, fans uh, fans are just different, ladies and gentlemen. We all understand that. Reason flies out the window the vast majority of the time when you're talking about a fan. It's one of the great things about it. You know, it's also one of the worst things about it. The fact that a fan is so passionate He's going to buy tickets. <laughs> he wants to show up, and he does show up. And thank goodness for every professional athlete that has ever played or ever will play that they do show up. They buy tickets. And not only that, they buy a lot of tickets. And not only that, they buy merchandise. They buy jerseys. They buy beers. They buy a lot of things. And thank goodness they do, because otherwise, there is no professional sports. They are passionate about what they support. And I love that. And thank goodness for them. Yet at the same time, you can't lose all reason as well. You can't. 
but they do. Well, and but that's the problem. Uh, Philly, Philly is the extreme, and I think Philly owns it, and I think Philly leans into it, and that's why, in a lot of ways, not to throw in batteries at people, but in a lot of ways, Philly's a great sports city, right? I mean, you want a oh, passionate fan base, passionate. It's a, and it's not just the Eagles, it's the Flyers, it's 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 all of them. It's the Philly, it's the Sixers. We're going to see it here in the playoffs with the with the Sixers, but it's not like it. They're acting. Like they lost to a team that had Nick Foles at quarterback, ironically, and they won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. But they're yeah. acting like it was some backup quarterback that beat them because Jonathan Gannon couldn't be found at halftime because he was off talking to his new team at halftime of the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm sorry, the five extra minutes you needed. First of all, nobody has figured out how to stop Patrick Mahomes, Philly or not. So the fact that you just look past the team and the coach, too, Andy Reid. I mean, how many times have we seen Andy Reid? He will just design the offense in the second half to pick you apart, no matter how good your defense is. It's amazing to me how much they have blamed everything on Jonathan Gannon. All you need to do, you're exactly right on that, Luke. All you need to do is understand this right here. They were screaming at Jonathan Gannon because he wasn't blitzing more. Remember that? Well, if he hadn't been on the phone for three minutes, he would have remembered you, to blitz well, that, more. Of course. Yeah, they, they were screaming at him, though, all season long for not blitzing more. And here, the Philadelphia Eagles, do you know how many sacks they had? Was it 73? Uh, they had a lot. I want to say 73, just off the top of my head right now. Um, the Eagles were killing everybody, and they didn't have to bring five. They didn't. They didn't. Have, they didn't have to bring six. Yeah, which why is would a you true, blitz if you don't have to? Which is a true blitz. Why would you? Why would you blitz if you didn't have to? If you could still get pressure on a quarterback, and that's exactly what the Eagles did. They were the best in the league at getting pressure on the quarterback. Why? Why would you blitz or bring five even if you didn't have to? It's so stupid. To think otherwise, and I'm not calling anyone stupid particularly, I'm just saying it is a dumb thought to have. If you could still get pressure with four, why wouldn't you just drop seven and rush four? Are you kidding me? If you could get the same amount of pressure, but you want to blitz. We need to blitz. That's what we need to do, even though we lead the league in sacks. So I... I I understand the logic right there. I get it 100%, and I thought it in the moment, too. Why I, I'm not going to blitz if I don't have to. I'm especially not going to blitz Patrick Mahomes if I don't have to, because I feel like that's what he wants me to do. Oh, yeah. But it, but at least I can understand the fans' perspective of, man, we're not getting to Mahomes, and we just refuse to blitz. That's frustrating. I get that. What I don't get is, boy, that's Patrick Mahomes, and he's really good, but this must be because our defensive coordinator took a phone call five days ago for four minutes. That's why we're losing. That I don't get. There is no logic to that. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's completely devoid of logic. And like I said, it's not like the Cardinals shouldn't be punished. They were. I do feel like the Eagles were like, hmm, you did something I don't like, and I can get you on this. Give me something. Like, how about this? We gave you Hassan Reddick. Is that enough? We yeah. developed you one of your best players and then basically handed him to you through Carolina. Yeah, by the way, I forgot about that. It was 70. 70 sacks, okay? And the next team in the league were the Chiefs. At 55. <laughs> they had 15 more sacks than the second place team in terms of sacks. Well, the Chiefs, though, didn't you hear the Chiefs only win games because Monty Austinfort calls their opponent's defensive coordinator before games? That's the only reason Patrick Mahomes has had any success. Uh, when we come back, we'll take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.